You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Fresh off Oktoberfest, the Commander and Eno were hanging out. That's How right. was it? It was great. The beer was great. Big party? Yeah, we did, we had some German music and... Yeah, it was, it was actually cool. It was it was a cool experience to be a part of that. I mean, uh, there was a lot of a good amount of people that were there too. I was surprised. I mean, we got there a little later in the day because it started, I think, around noon or so, and we got there at like four or four thirty. Did you overstay your welcome like you normally do? Uh, well, my friends usually overstay their welcome, and I was globbed in with them. So, <laughs> I mean, it got so bad we took Uber home from San Mateo, not Caltrain. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up in the doghouse somehow. I was only there for like an hour and a half. And you I had two beers, house. and you're in yeah. the doghouse? Yeah. Well, well, that's life. Was it really two? Yeah, it really was. You only had two. Yes, you but it, it took a, it took an hour and a half because the conversation was so good. Yeah, we were, we I can confirm. But then again, like if I on, on Twitter, you see all the stuff from Oktoberfest. No, it wasn't one of those things either. No. Yeah, because if you had two of those, no, I could no, see no, that no. could take a while. It was a regular, regular ass beer. All right, that's why I used to tell my wife, "It's only two. She'd yeah. be like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> you should have told your wife, "Well, I got a free glass too out of this." <laughs> and that, that <laughs> did not, not the, I did not mention the glass. Honey, here's a free glass <laughs> from Oktoberfest. <laughs> she already has like the whole one shelf with all the cra- with all the like beer glasses on it with the different logos on it. <laughs> Every once in a while, she's like, "Can you clean that out? I, I, can we have half of those gone?" You're like, no. This is my, <laughs> Those these, are my glasses. These are my thing. <laughs> when my friends come over. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know how they say you come to the ballpark and you see or hear something you've never seen or heard before? Mm. Right? They talk about that? Yeah. I want everybody to look at Eno Saris is now an underwear model. <laughs> Something I never, ever, ever thought I would hear or see. If you're listening, go Google them, look at images. This is your new Jim Palmer of Major League Baseball well, wait, right you'll, here. You'll have, you'll have to wait for it to come out. It'll be, it'll be fun. What the hell are you doing, the baseball nerd, doing in underwear? They, they, they literally said they wanted a zany baseball nerd. Uh, uh, to be kind of a Steve Kornacki type. So that's what I was. And who'd you do it with? Ivan Rodriguez, who is just a classy human being. A really funny, uh, one funny moment, too, is we were, hand- we're sitting there between takes, and uh, he just squats down. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yes, really. This is how <laughs> I am. And I said, everywhere? And he goes, yeah, in the mall, and the- on the golf course, wherever. This is how I am. And he just likes to squat in the chair. How he relaxes? Yeah. I was like, well, I guess your knees are okay then. (laughs) How many years did he play? Yeah. 22 or something like that? Yeah, he's in good shape. He's in good shape. Hall of Famer. Yeah. So you and a Hall of Famer in your underwear together. In Miami, and I and also between takes, I was like, I was like, okay, all right, who was the nastiest? Okay, Nolan, 
it, you caught Verlander too, and you faced Smoltz. Were they like Nolan? So I was like, I was asking him all the pitcher stuff. So for all of us, how hard was Nolan throwing at the end? It, 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 it for because uh, I remember as a real little kid. I guess I would have been that like, like what were what were the early years? Look it up, Cody. When Nolan came from the Angels over to the Astros, because I remember old Jack Murphy Stadium. I know Yvonne debuted in, like, 91, 92. Oh, no, no, this is 80s. This is yeah. early 80s. His first year in Houston would have been the great year of 1980. Yeah, 19- right. so this is early 80s. I'm, like, 10, 9, 10 years old, and my dad would take us to see Nolan Ryan because Nolan Ryan, you're like – and so Nolan Ryan – and then when I was a high school pitcher, he and Tom House came out with that whole throwing program – I bought the VHS tape. You're damn right, I did. It's <laughs> Nolan Ryan. I had the whole. I had a, a picture board, and Nolan Ryan had all of his different stuff for for your rotator cuff. I had it all. Nice. And then I ended up pitching. I got a pitching lesson from Tom House because wow. uh, you know he's a San Diego guy. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. home from San Jose State. I got my 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 brother taught his kids golf, so I actually got a pitching les, le, lesson from the legend Tom House. So when anybody bags on Nolan Ryan, I kind of go, you know what? Uh, I want to flip him the bird. There's no reason to. Bag. Well, because they'll be like, oh, look how many losses he had. Most walks of all time. Yeah, go, <laughs> go. Most no hitters. Most yeah. one hitters. Yeah. Two hitters. He was a freak of nature. His elbow held out till he was 46. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. I was, I was just trying to get modern comps out of Yvonne. Like, who, who was he like? Like, who, who was he like? Is it Verlander? Is it Smoltz? Well, I'll tell you. One of the main differences Fastball slider righty. about, well, Nolan had the big hook, uh-huh. had the ch- he developed the change later on, but he was a short, for a big man, he was a short armor, mm. kind of like a foot. That's why he and Tom House and him always talk about throwing the football. You throw the football, it's more of a short armor. You you don't throw a football like this, you throw a football like this. So, so short arm path in the back too? Yes, just he was not. And... Nolan didn't take it all the way uh, back. But Nolan was a short arm. So, that's generally guarded as healthier. That's generally how yeah, guarded as healthier. Yeah, because I was a quarterback. I kind of threw yeah. that way too. But 6'4", drop and drive, coming down the mound, and a short armor, it would just be the ball be like, boom, and it'd be on you. Yeah, yeah. Where do you hold Nolan Ryan all time? <laughs> Number one. Over everybody. Yeah. I mean, the other there's some other guys you could put at number one, but I I don't even have a concept of what they were like as pitchers. Like, I'm not gonna say Cy Young or something. No, like he had the most. Like, what did Cy Young have the most wins or something? He's got the greatest license plate. It's in the uh, Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. It's C. It's C Y, and then five eleven in between it. Is that how many? How many? How many wins he had? Oh yeah, yeah five hundred eleven, right but it was C Y. So he's rolling. I don't know what kind of car he had back in those days, yeah. but he was Cy Young was rolling around in style. So yeah. you got Nolan number one all time. I think so. Wow. Who else is up there? I think Maddox has got to be up there. I think Clemens has got to be up there. I wish Pedro had had like a longer ending. Pedro on talent deserves to be Pedro in that on talent, no question yeah. about it. I mean, lefties that didn't throw hard, but Warren Spahn was incredible. Mm-hmm. Sandy Koufax. I, mean, I tend to I tend to careers. like I tend to go closer to people I saw just because, you know, I have no concept of. Well, don't worry, Blake players. Snell's not even going to average six innings this year, and he's going to win the side. <laughs> that right. bothers me. All right with me. That bothers me. <laughs> that bothers me. I did a whole thing on things that bother me that I can't control, like field goal kickers. I, well, I don't want my football game being decided by a soccer player. 
I don't want it, that's, but I but I can't control that. That I mean that that's not something new either. That's awful. I also <laughs> think it's awful that a guy on a crap team can win MVP. That bugs me. Psh, bugs you, me. You are a troll. I am. <laughs> you you can have the Hank Aaron Ward. Your stats they don't mean anything in bad. <laughs> I want guys who play in some games that matter. Like that's why I think our National League race is. Can you imagine Freddie Freeman's having a historic year, and he at best, and Matt Olson's having a historic. year. Is it like year. one of the first 2020 seasons by a first baseman or something? Like, he's he's got he's got to have 60 doubles. Guys haven't done that since the the 30s. And you know when people talk about like oh you know it's it's so great he hits like 330 and stuff, it's even better than you think because like league wide batting average is at at the very bottom that it's almost ever been. Yeah, you know? it's telling you. So it's 330 it's, over 240. It's as like Pedro's ERA in the steroid. In 94. Yeah. And yeah, 97. Yeah. Uh, so you got Matt Olson, who's hit the most home runs in a single season of Braves history. Yeah. Great defender. Freddie Freeman, great defender. Of it. And neither guy can sniff the top two. Yeah. Although Freeman's close, a little bit closer. His, his D is a little bit better than Olson's, I think. But I'm just saying from the voting standpoint. Yeah. It's going to be. No, it's it's going to be, be Buki or Acuna. Yeah. Have you? We're getting closer. Have you weighed? Weighed in? I haven't. I haven't looked at. I haven't looked again. I haven't looked again. What would you look at? What What are you going to say? Kind of like back in the day when you had uh, Cabrera wins a triple crown, but Trout obviously had better analytics. Like, how are you going to? Both these guys. What's different is both these guys do amazing things. Bets the fact that he's coming and played infield. I mean, both, but both of them are doing amazing things on amazing teams. Well, you know, I, I really want to look at, uh, at at the whole package and defense and everything. But the, there is one thing: defensive numbers are not as good as offensive numbers. We don't; they're not as uh, precise. We don't know them as well. There's a little bit more guesswork in them. Okay, take the numbers out. Do you give Mookie credit just that he's coming in? To fill a void, that's what MVPs do, right? Mm. You're helping out. I mean, because I know Dave Roberts is not going to win probably the NL Manager of the Year, but no but you're, one. You're talking about like when he's playing short and second and stuff. Yeah, like he comes in, fills a void. You need to. And that's what winning games do on a daily basis. I mean, let's face it, the Dodgers have had more players and more days on the IL than any other team. You're filling the void. This may not be the best thing, but hey, I'm 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 sacking up for the team. Yeah, so I mean, just to just to define my process, I w- I would start. I I don't have an MVP vote this year, so I can sort of g- let you in on the process. I would start with WAR, uh, just because I like that that puts in base running and defense and everything. But I don't treat it as precise. So there's nobody who's going to win it because they have .1 WAR more than the next guy. You know, like that's it's not the WAR award, and there are elements in that in WAR that are less precise than others. Like I said about defense. So it's like telling your wife, I had two beers, but maybe I had three. You're no, not going to no. let that be the big difference. It's only <laughs> two, it's three. Like a decimal point. What's the difference? Uh, but so. Once I group, so I, what I'll do is use wow. WAR to group them. So Mookie's right, actually Mookie right now, according to Baseball Reference, is, should be the winner. But this is what we're talking about. It's eight versus seven point six. Yeah, I call that you're both eight. All right, so you're both eight, and all the right. next two guys are both seven. That's enough of a gap where I'm going to be like, okay, I have my two finalists. They're Acuna and Betts. Then yeah. I can throw WAR out. Okay, and then I just look at Acuna versus Betts. And I think you can you can look at some soft stuff. You can look at who's on a winning team at that point because you've got the you've got a tie. Yeah, that's how I would treat it. Is it tie? And then you can look at okay, well they're both on winning teams, so that's not the tiebreaker this time, right? 
then I will look at offense over defense. I will because I think that the numbers that we have are better for offense. So if I'm looking at something like OPS and, and one of them has a better OPS than the other and they're both in decent similar parks, then I'm going to take the guy with the better OPS because I believe his offensive contribution is better. So there's, there can be all sorts of different tiebreakers, but I would basically say you've got a tie at the top between Acuna and Betts, and you've got a tie for the next group between Olsen and Freeman. Yeah, it's interesting because they're so close in so many different things. I mean, the stolen bases clearly are going to go to Acuna, but, I mean, you're going to look at RBIs. You're going to look at doubles. But if you look at something like base running value, it's closer between Betts and Acuna because Betts takes the extra base. He doesn't steal as many in volume, but he doesn't get caught. And, like, yeah. you know, it's not like if you look at Betts and Acuna, you're not like, well, one's like a plotting DH type and one's a, you know, swifty center fielder. No. Yeah. Betts is, you know, Betts gives you value with his feet too. Now, you can give feet overall to Acuna, but, like, what about power? The power goes way in Betts' favor. I mean, we're talking about something like, well, aren't we talking about an eight-homer difference or something? So how do they break it up for you guys to vote? They don't really say anything. They just send you an email. You got They don't even whatever. define, like, value or anything. It's just no, like no, you no. got the vote. What, 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 who, what who category gets, you have? Who, who determines that? It's locally determined by the Baseball Writers Association chapter. So chapter why, why, why do, do you know what you have? Yeah, I have AL Cy Young. So why did you get that and not get NL signing? My question is, like, how, how do they decide who gets what? I think they just try to rotate it around. Oh, okay. I think there's, I think there's some, maybe some internal politics sometimes, you know. Depends on who's the chapter head, you know. It's a boring answer, really. So does everybody in the Bay Area who has a vote have that? It'd be interesting if you did it by, by sort of, like, expertise. If I, uh, if I always got a Cy Young vote. I do tend to sort of get Cy Young votes, so maybe that's the thinking. But. So does everybody in our region do an AL Cy Young? Uh, no, no. There's one person per chapter uh, per vote. Okay, so, so I have the the Bay Area and AL Cy Young vote. Who's like who has MVPs? Uh, yeah, there's some seniority. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> like so, like I think probably like John Shea and, and Susan Slesser get the MVP votes. You know, you get Rookie of the Year. I, you know what? I had to do my time. You know what doing your time is? Rookie of the Year. No. Comeback Player of the no. Year. No. Manager, Manager of the year. Because <laughs> nobody knows how to vote on it, you know. You get the go- you get the gold glove and triple A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize there is that. No, there there is. Somebody we had or somebody who sounds like, he yeah. Won the gold glove he won the there. gold glove and triple A. Somebody. Oh, don't get who me started on defensive statistics and triple A. I, I don't remember that, but I, since you mentioned Manager of the Year and we were kind of talking about it earlier. It was the kid who came up uh, for the Rangers, their super prospect against oh, us. Oh, um, Evan Carter. Carter? Yeah, he got some type of triple-A gold glove award. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. Um, how late in the season they determine manager of the year? Because like, like, uh, Jim has um, David Ross as manager of the year in the NFL. What if, the Cubs make the, what if they don't make the playoffs? It's, th- it's, it's really important. It's the day uh, the season ends. Okay. You have to so vote now we on know. the day of the season That's ends. not why he's asking. No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you why he's also, asking. It's, it's also important always... because of what happens in the playoffs. People <laughs> think they'll be like, how did that guy win MVP? He just dis- disappeared in the playoffs. Or, like, how did that manager win manager of the year? They lost in the first round. You have to vote before that. He's asking because he is a we, – we've he's now a Mariners homer, but he's always been a Kevin Cash hack, right? Like, I had to interview Kevin Cash at the winter meetings because of him. So, I got to bring on this Rays hack. He loves Kevin Cash. And I said, Bochy's winning it. Stop with your cash stuff. 
That may not be the case, but Ooh, then. Ooh, actually, it's going to be close this year because Brandon, Brandon Hyde. Hyde. <laughs> Brandon Hyde from Santa Rosa, friend of the program, been on multiple oh, times. Yeah. Oh. He's a Bay Area guy. Whenever he comes, he's got a bunch of people here. Brandon Hyde will be your winner now. Yeah, I think he might be. Yeah. yeah. They, they look like they're going to win the division. It's a young crew. I mean, I, I just don't know how I don't know how to approach it. Every year that I try, I tried to use some numbers, but they're using numbers for that award is awful. I think you might as well just be like a team that overachieved. Although they could have overachieved because they have a bunch of young rookies that are really good. Is that necessarily all high? It's tough. I'm, I, I'm, I, a, I'm a, It's the players guy. Mostly. And, and you don't want it. If a guy's already won multiple times, yeah, should we give it to him again? Right, right, right. You know, Bob Melvin would get it because – Hey, the A's were supposed to be bad. Now they're good. Well, vote for Bob Melvin. Yeah, right, exactly. Except that we did this with the A's for so long. Like, That's why he won it like three times. <laughs> it's always like, a, oh, they're good again. Bob Melvin wins. All right. Not saying that Bob Melvin is a bad uh, Three times. I think he's a very three, good one. Three, one nationally, one. two American League. I think he's three very times. good. He's a very good manager. Well, uh, go and read the uh, article about in The Athletic, who he works for, about the Padres and the disaster that is the Padres. That one source says the relationship between A.J. Preller, who runs the Padres, and Bob Melvin is not fixable. And I might tend to agree. But Well, there's, you know, there's one thing that we reported in the piece that we did about the Padres collapse a couple years ago uh, that I think is really important here is that um, you know, A.J. Preller, what, I, what we were doing in our reporting was he would uh, call minor league pitching coaches and tell them what to do with Mackenzie Gore. And in spring training, he would come out and say, you know, Manny Machado, you should do this fielding drill, which you can put the dots together about, like, how quickly as a field manager you would get annoyed with someone from the front office coming down and starting to take over your spring training or your pregame or whatever it is. And that's that's a lot of – there's more reporting on that, but that's that's where I see, you know, micromanaging can become a, a real flaw that, that makes it tough for everybody to do their, their work. I think one thing for Bay Area people that – I'll give you another scenario which will – kind of help you understand a little bit more is that A.J. Priller has a lot of Al Davis in him. Al Davis, who is different, obviously, and he's a pro football Hall of Famer. He's one of the greats of all time, was an actual football coach, then an owner. So he could actually say coach things. But later on, Al Davis, the owner, would go around his head coach. The players knew that Al was making the decision. So not only the head coach or your position coach could say one thing, but Al's saying something else to you, and it doesn't work. Who am I going to listen to? Yeah, it it doesn't work. If Al's coming around the corner any time, I'm going to keep my ear open for what he's about to say. And it sounds a lot like what what A.J. Preller's doing. But the one thing that I want to – the word feel. So when we talk about Bloom, Preller, guys are going to get fired – there was an interesting segment on MLB Now. Joel Sherman of the New York Post talked about, listen, we understand data, vital. We all know it's important in sports. But maybe, just maybe, some people have gone so far in one direction, they've lost feel dealing with people. And we're talking about communicating with people. And, I mean, part of big part of this business is communicating with people and how you handle the humans. Somebody's got to handle the human beings, right? As you say, Preller's communication all over the board causes chaos and dysfunction throughout the organization. But just 
the feel of how to build a team, how to run a team, who runs it, who talks to the team. I mean, there's there seems to be some organizations have lost feel. Would yeah. you agree with that? I, I, I hesitate to give this, uh, this, this train of thought too much oxygen because there are still teams that are not running their, te- their teams ideally, even through data and stuff. So there's a lot of still low-hanging fruit, especially in player development in terms of making database How decisions. How is that possible? Because there are teams that are that far backwards. There are teams, the White Sox, they're, they're, there's like, I think there's like five to ten teams that are – like 10 years behind other teams. We had the, yesterday, we had, I, I got the name of the cameras, but we had all Edgertronics. these. Ca- Edgertronics. We had all these cameras out here yesterday. We had our own pitching lab. Yes, you but do you have me? it at every level all the way down to low A? You know, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about there's still systematic things that teams could be doing to be better that are involved with that. Are there so any teams that, that are doing anything? That, that aren't, yes. There wow. are teams. There are teams where the players have told me they don't think the the actual cameras are attached to anything. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, so, so I just want to point out that the, <laughs> we can't be so data-saturated and tech It's kind of like our camera. This isn't going anywhere either. <laughs> we're just, it's just We're just looking thing. at each other. Hi. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, I hesitate. But I also think that there was a, a first round of, um, you know, so I, I really love Driveline. I, I respect them uh, 100%. But, you know, th- that sort of ethos came through where they, they're going to be gov- governed by data, make their decisions by data. And so not every person who knows all the data is a good coach. So there has been a, a, a series of sort of waves within the industry of people who come in who know their stuff but don't have the feel. And so there's that's that's something I, I okay. think of. And then the last thing is roster that construction. That makes sense because coaches are teachers. Yeah. Right? And just because you have, like, I could have all the knowledge in the world, right? Uh-huh. I could have, I could have like, this is all this knowledge that I have, right? Uh-huh. But it doesn't mean I can sit in front of 30 kids and teach them how to do it. Yeah, 30 kids. Yeah, and it, yeah, in minor leagues organizations, you're sometimes trying to teach it to the, all, all of them, 150, yeah. 200 of them. So like there, it's there's school, that. Right? And, then, and then even on one-on-one, you could be like, look at all the things I know. Look at all the things I know, as opposed to being like, hey, you tell me about what you need. You know, have feel like you like. Let's develop a relationship. That first. sounds like what you've explained to us is the Rays. They they to to some extent uh, they are hands off in player development. They are not like trying to change everybody. They are letting people be. And if you actually look at a lot of the guys who come up, there there are differences. One thing they do preach is hit the ball hard, and yeah, you know, I can get with that. So anyway, the last thing is that I think of is roster construction. And so roster construction is hard to study because you're talking about 
small samples. Like, what are you saying is success? Some people say success has to be winning a World Series, you know? And other people, success is winning regular season games. If you think immediately, some alarm bells should be going off. There are teams that win in the regular season consistently and don't win in the postseason. We've, we're, we're sitting here in one with, he famously said, my poop doesn't work in the, in the postseason. So, like, you know, so roster But only one team wins a World Series, right? Uh, that's only how one I feel. team wins a Super Bowl. I, that's how NBA I feel. Fine. The well, Dodgers are a, a mini dynasty right now. Well, this they is, have one. They only have one win, but they they have they have like the most wins in baseball over the last five ten years. I, this is a great example. Of these two articles, right? In this article about the Giants, they talk about how they're boring and how they use their entire roster and they're super boring. And then in this article, nope, this article about the Padres. They talk about in this article how they didn't use the entire roster and didn't build a roster, and it's not till lately Melvin has used the entire roster. Yeah. So Sports Illustrated, Giants are boring, and they use their entire roster too much. Dude. And then you got this. They don't – Padres and the Athletic don't use it enough. If, if you could just smush those together, dude, they would have – they would win the World Series. Uh, if I smushed Athletic and Sports Illustrated together, uh. it'd be a two-hour <laughs> read. I think you guys are paid by the no, word. I'm talking about the Padres. My the gosh, like, I, think, I, think one of the I reasons, get it. I get it. I don't need 18 pages. I think <laughs> That's what we are. You know what I want to uh, call? Hey, give me the cliff notes. <laughs> if you don't know what cliff notes are, look it up. Axios. So, uh, you, you know, uh, but for real, I think that part of what the Giants are doing right now is out of necessity. You know, they're like, this is the best way we can win given what we have. We tried to get Korea. We tried to get Judge, you know. It would be great if we'd gotten these guys and we put them on top of this. And I don't think you'd be writing about, you know, how boring they are if Aaron, Ju Aaron Judge was in their outfield and they were winning all these games but they had a star too, you know what I mean? And they wanted to do that. So you, I think they're just how do we win games every day and this is how we do it. But beyond that. I don't have a problem with that because I, I, to me – and Dave Stewart explained this to me, and I'm not going to mention the players I was not happy with, uh -huh. but he goes, you got to remember, it's a season average. Mm -hmm. It's the average. I get that. But you have 162 games, but every one of these games is different. Yeah. Right? Each one is different. How you win baseball games is, can be different day after day after day after day. Sometimes you win with home runs. Sometimes you win on just putting the ball in play. Mm -hmm. But winning each individual game – Obviously, Captain Obvious, the more I do that, I'm in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So it's about winning these games. So I actually do respect the fact that the Giants say, I'm just doing what I can day in and day out to win. And that's that's when I watch Giants games, I'm like, they'll do whatever it takes. If this guy comes out after one or this guy goes three or whatever it is, like they'll they'll take a star out. I mean, they don't really have stars, but they'll take the starter out in the second inning of at a position, you know. They'll, they'll, it can be over. It can be a little exhausting. too much. It's exhausting. To, when just I to saw watch. them bring <laughs> somebody out to face Tony Kemp in the was it the third inning, I'm like, you you got a scoreless game, guys throwing great. And you got two outs, and instead of letting that guy get Tony Kemp, you're going to bring in a relief. What you worried he's going to go deep? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Tony yeah. Kemp hadn't had a hit in weeks, yeah. and you're bringing somebody in in the third inning to pitch to Tony Kemp. But the, the the very last thing that I'm thinking about is I think about the Royals having that core. They won. I think about these uh, uh, these Orioles and how they've come up. They've got this core. Uh, I think about you how know the what's Rays win. Not to interrupt you, but you know what's interesting about the Orioles' core is a lot of it is from the last regime. Yeah, that they've yeah, kept. 
they've, they've yeah. kept them though. And this is the thing that's missing in San Diego too is that like there's the only homegrown guys right now are Luis Camposano and I, I think a reliever. So there's not this like uh, I, I think there's it's like oh we're all stars in here, so nobody knows who the leader is. There's a there's a quote in there. It's like yeah. it, there's four leaders, so nobody knows who the leader is. You know, and and, and so you've got this kind of you've got this mercenary group kind of that's put together and it you ha you you want your team to have an identity that's why i've joked about you know the the t-shirts and spring training and all that stuff it's like you know you, you're trying to create an identity for your team the easiest way to do that is to have people come up we're about to watch a mariners team and their entire pitching staff has come up through their organization julio rodriguez came up through their organization what is the other joke that people make about that about their team and their their their, their gm is that they always trade everybody, right? Trader, Trader DePoto, right? Yeah. Trader Jerry. So somehow Jerry DePoto trades all the time and is a crazy trader, but he's created a thing where it's still a core of homegrown players. And that's what I'm talking about because I interviewed Corbin Carroll, and he said, you know, he's a young guy. He's not very outspoken, but he's a leader on that Arizona Diamondbacks team because he says, I'm going to take the young guys out for dinner when we're on the road. I'm going to, you know, I, I have people staying at my house in spring training. I, you know, I care. I talk hitting with Christian Robinson in, 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 the, in the complex league. It's like a guy in, in high A, you know. Like, I will talk hitting with anybody. I will, I will help you and support you. I care about you outside the field. We will go have dinner together, you know. And he says to me, he said, camaraderie and all that stuff matters outside of what we do for a living on the field. And so you, it's a lot easier to have camaraderie when you don't all have $400 million and wives and kids and, 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 and that, that are separate. Like if you came up together, yeah, you can start having wives and kids and you'll, they'll know each other. Because you came up through the minors together. Yeah. You married that. Oh, I was there when you met her. You the know? A's of the 60s, they all came from Kansas City to here uh -huh. as young kids and started their families while they were here. Yeah. So uh, I, I think there's something to, you know, we talk about having kids on your team and not trading and why people care about prospects. And a lot of times we talk about it from a cynical standpoint, which is just they're cheaper. And so you need to have this cheaper labor. And I get it. That's part of it. But I think another part of it is what we're talking here about this for roster construction where you just want to have you know you know maybe the first baby bombers didn't work out for the Yankees but what do they do when they're trying to transition to the next group is bring up all their rookies and for the final month you all play together you all came up together and if you guys succeed it'll be together so there's something about like sort of creating a core and having this group that that has each other's back outside of the game has has been through a lot together and let's face it the Dodgers have been that way for a while because when you think about when like Cody Bellinger and Will Smith and all these guys, and even Justin Turner kind of resurrected his, his career, career right? Them, yeah. So there, and he was really the leader in that. So it's like, and now the Dodgers this year, they have had more guys on the IL than anybody, and they've had more days on the IL, and they just keep bringing guys up. Somebody said to me, and I wish I remember who said this, that it's important to promote guys from your own system. It says something to all the guys down below. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you have to that. do it in kind of order too. Sometimes you can't. If you're skipping somebody, you know, it, it has to be a real good reason. And so that's sometimes, you know, it's just an order. You're bringing guys up. You know, it's not always that the the best one comes up first. Sometimes it's like, well, this guy's done his dues and he's doing well down there, and it's his turn. You know, so there's so there's there some is something, by the way, to having feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like, like, what if you you have some guy with equal numbers and one guy's like younger, and maybe you gave him more of a signing bonus or whatever, or you just want to pull him up first? Then the other guy's like, well, you know, remember Francisco Lindor actually for a while was uh, kind of stagnating in AAA, and everyone's like, what's wrong with Francisco Lindor? Like, he's not that good. Like, it doesn't look like he's that good. Then he got to the big leagues and he just started. He went for it, and he people asked him. He said, I was bored. So there's 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 you want to challenge them, you want to bring them up together, you want to create a core. There's a lot of feel in a lot of these decisions. You do want to hew to the data and tech to help you make good decisions over and over again, but you have to have a feel for the politics. And you know who knows what's gonna. I don't know what's gonna happen with Preller. We know Boston's making the change. It's a big deal. Just talk about that when you change the CBO, the VP of this, or whatever the fancy title guy gets blown out. A new guy comes in. Just talk about how dramatic that is for an organization. It's it's really tough to turn. We I've talked about turning the tanker. It's really tough to turn because it's an organizational inertia all the time. But on top of that, you can have a, an org chart that you've put in your head and you and you've written it down. And I know for a fact from just reporting and and just my time in the game and just talking to people that whatever the org chart says and what actually happens and who calls who there's a big disparity between those and so you as a, a, a as a president of baseball operations or gm might say oh we've got a, a great org chart you report to you you report to you this all filters up i'm going to be up here it looks great i love it all these people have these different expertises well, what happens when they overlap and who, who actually gets listened to and who doesn't and who has sight lines to who and who, who's overstepping those bounds and who's calling all the way down to, you know, the high AJ Pre AJ Preller's yeah. coming down going, Manny, you need to take more fungos <laughs> and this is how you should do it. And Manny Machado's like, is that, that's, the, that's the Well, that's why, that's that's why it's so toxic. <laughs> that's why it's so toxic because even without AJ, other teams, like maybe yeah. with Haim, like maybe there was – there was, there was too many people, of, a lot of cooks, too many vice presidents, or too many, you know, assistant, you know, a, a director level. You know, every level, director level, you have to have sidelines to each other. So if you have 15 directors, that means you got 15 people who think they're equals. You know, and what are there 15 different things to do? Are there 15 things where you can have 15 directors? I mean, it's, it's too many cooks. It's in the definitely kitchen. something that every general manager thinks about, and is is a really important part of the game. It's kind of boring. But it's really important. Anything that you are working on? Uh, one fun thing that should come out Friday. Uh, I took my 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 eleven year old Felix. Uh, he's playing baseball. He's got the total bug. He's playing uh, MLB the Show, collecting cards, playing Little League, and so he gave me four questions to ask all the big leaguers. And uh, so that's coming. What about Friday. his interview with Blake Snell? Yeah, that's going to be on there. We we uh, inter we were out here on Sunday on the field. And he uh, he got to ask his four questions directly of Blake Snell, so we'll have some video and audio of that. Maybe we'll we may be able to preview that, preview that on the show. Was one of the questions why are you so soft and you're a five and dive guy? <laughs> he loves Blake Snell. He didn't ask him that. No, he didn't ask him that. Just checking. I mean, I would ask that. I mean, do you know high school? I, and I even stuck in some questions that I didn't ask that. I said, you know that he did this, what he did this year, he didn't have his slider for, like, the first two months of the year. Do you know high school pitchers pitch more than you? <laughs> I mean, you pitch seven innings in high school, pitching over 70 pitches, more than what Blake Snell's giving you. It's a wonder you get any players that come on this show. Oh, I'm ripping Snell. Yeah. Our guys. <laughs> our, our guys are the best.
the best. We had Shay Langoliers here <laughs> earlier today. That guy's on fire. He has like nine homers the last month. Uh, speaking of fire, there's a fire coming from Oregon. We're feeling it now. Yeah, let's get um, out of this air. Bullpen's on fire right now. <laughs> Texas can't get anybody out. I, I never really liked the, the Will Smith connection. Uh, the stuff isn't really there anymore. And then I didn't mind getting Chapman, but Chapman, the command is really gone. So, you know, you've got one guy who has command and no stuff and another guy who has stuff and no command, and those are your two primaries. So it's, it, it does get hairy there. And they've got seven games left with the Mariners. I think they have like a six ERA on the last month in the bullpen. Oh, it's worse. Yeah. I mean, I just I, – I had it. It's It's like – when you look at the Rangers bullpen right now, they, they've blown 31 out of 58 saves. Ugh. It's they're converting at a 46.6 clip. I mean, it's something. That's a, oh, yeah, how about this? Since August 3rd, Rangers are 3 for 16 in converting saves. Worse than I thought. That's awful. Yeah, that's bad. All righty. Great stuff. <laughs> You want to play him as? The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.